Hey everybody, John Fenn here, Church Without Walls International, CWOWI.org. There you can sign up for my weekly thoughts, my which and my weekly or my monthly e-newsletter. It's there in the headers of those and in the content and body of those where I put uh, prophetic words. We announce things where we are uh, meeting, conferences, uh, schedules, stuff like that. So go to our website, sign up for the weekly thoughts and the monthly e-newsletter. And there you'll also find lots of videos about House Church. You'll find archived writings, all my weekly thoughts archived, and, and many other resources for you. C-W-O-W-I.org, Church Without Walls International. Uh, we are a house church network in dozens of nations, all independent, autonomous, etc., but but together on the same spiritual page of relationship-based faith, all about discipleship, implementing the Lord's ways into our lives. So today, talking about that which we've given to the Lord, the, the reward, and in my own story, uh, a little bit of of something that really changed our lives and uh, brought some things home, some truths home. But I want to share with you. You know, talk about the reward, you know, and everyone says, oh, boy, they've got another stone in their crown, you know, another gem in their crown. But literally, uh, there's a reward or payment that is talked about in the New Testament. It's not a reward like, good boy, good boy, you brought the bone back or you brought the stick back. Now I'm going to throw it out for you. Oh, you brought it back. Good boy, good boy. It's not like that at all. Actually, the word reward, is, as it's used in the New Testament, is merely payment. Like you worked 40 hours and so here's your wage for 40 hours. Uh, it's not, it's not a, a, a pat on the back or, or whatever, but it is um, proportional. <clears throat> In fact, the word uh, reward um, spe- specifically mentions, it's spe- in the word itself, reward, it means to match proportionally to what is deserved. And so uh, Paul wrote about this in, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He said, he said, I suffer all these things for the Lord and in the Lord, but I'm not ashamed because I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've entrusted to him until the last day or until that day. Now, the word I am persuaded means to be fully persuaded. It means to be, to consider someone trustworthy. And Paul says that I am persuaded that he is trustworthy. In fact, in the Greek, it's actually the deposit entrusted, where it says in the King James Version, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have entrusted to him. It's literally Paul saying, I have made a deposit with the Lord. I am, I am considering him trustworthy who, with whom I have made a deposit. Now, Paul's writing this. It's his last letter. He's about to be uh, executed for being a Christian. And he's writing and saying, I have placed a certain trust in the Lord, and he is keeping the deposit that I've made with him. And we do that as parents. Uh, we do that with our children. We do that with, with people that we love and care about that are outside of our control. We do that with tragedies that happen and unexplained things that happen in our lives that we just don't have the answers to here on the earth. We don't know why it happened, what God's thinking, uh, but we know that we'll all you know, have a reunion in heaven and everything else that goes on. But there are certain things that have been entrusted to the Lord, and we have to wait until that day. But the thing is, Paul said, I am persuaded. And that's the key, that we would be persuaded in the Lord's faithfulness to keep that which we have deposited with him. Now, my own story is this. Uh, our oldest son was born with the umbilical cord around his neck in a slipknot uh, by emergency C-section. 
and he had brain damage from birth. He was a purple baby. Uh, as the nurse said, he pinked right up, but still his APGAR score, which is what they give newborns for reflexes and muscle tone and everything, his APGAR, which should have been a 9 or a 10 of an average birth, his was a 4. And But we were first-time parents, and back then, 1979, they wanted you know, the moms, first-time moms, to have a, a normal birth and everything. So they waited to the last second to do an emergency C-section. That's how he was born. So six months into his life, he was not sitting up normally, didn't have normal muscle tone. Took him to a doctor, and the doctor told my wife, and this is the truth, this is spring of 1980, uh, in uh, a doctor in Longmont, Colorado, um, said, uh, you know, he has cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy is not a disease. It's a it's a general term for any injury to the brain that happens in labor or delivery. Uh, sometimes it can be very mild, like maybe just uh, weak muscles, or it can be very major where a, a child can't even breathe on their own. Uh, but anyway, he said your child has cerebral palsy, brain damage, lack of lack of oxygen at birth. Uh, you're best to forget that you've ever had this child, put him in a home, make him a ward of the state, forget you ever had him, and go on and have other children. There's nothing that would suggest that your other children will have any any such uh, occurrence of the cord wrapped around their neck and cut off the oxygen and everything like with this one. And so he's, he told he told my wife, who was devastated, obviously, and, you know, to, to forget you ever had this child. How can that happen? So Chris was with us uh, the first 24 years of his life. Uh, we have two other sons. They grew up, graduated high school, went off to college, and we realized how much they had helped with their big brother. And uh, Chris, to this day, even though he's uh, over 40 years old at this point when I'm recording this, he uh, is a, a mental four or five-year-old. He in understands a whole lot more. He takes in a whole lot more, but uh, the brain damage limits him. He's friendly. He's never met a stranger. He loves every pet, every dog, every cat, every animal he's ever met, every person. He is a, a joy and a delight to be around. He is funny and everything else. He's just a, a four-year-old in an adult body. But when he was uh, 24 years old, we realized that we couldn't care for him anymore. And so we made steps to place him into a group home, and we found one about two hours away from our house. And they said it would be two or three months before they'd even have an opening, so we had time to think about telling Chris, how do you tell a, a mental four-year-old? How do you tell a four-year-old you can't live at home anymore? And and we were just devastated. We felt like the worst parents in the world and, and everything. And and instead of two or three months, they called back the next week and said, we have an opening for Chris. And that just brought it all home. You know, it, 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 it we thought we had a two or three month delay. We could adjust and it suddenly, boom, we, we didn't have that opportunity. And so Barbara and I lay awake at night, uh, at that night, and we were just talking about what it would be like. It's like, Father, please take him home. We'd rather, you know, projecting ahead, have 50 years of life on this earth, missing our son. If he were just to go home to heaven where he wouldn't be uh, trapped in a, in a frail human earth body that it was damaged, you know, in labor and delivery and, and that he could be free in heaven and, and walk and run and play and all that. Because Chris had told us, you know, at, at this, he's 24 years old and he had told us when he was 20, 21, 22 years old, the Lord had talked to him. He came crawling down the hallway once he, his legs aren't working properly. He came crawling down the hallway, pulling himself. Dad, dad, know what Jesus said to me? Jesus said, he's going to walk through the mountains with me. Yep. That's what he said. Okay. All right. He's going to walk through the mountains with me. Isn't that great? Yahoo. He's going to walk through the mountains with me. Uh, so Chris has, has looked at kids running on TV, you know, like on Sesame Street or something. And he said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to run like that. And when I get to heaven, no wheelchair. 
And so he, he, he's very much aware of the Lord and all that and, and loves the Lord. You know, an ambulance goes by, he grabs my hand, says, we better pray. And we pray for the person in the ambulance, you know, as it races by or to the fire truck. Um, but that difficult decision, we lay in bed that night and, and, and we, we talked and we said, you know, Father, we would much rather you take him home, either heal him or take him home. You ever come to that decision with somebody to heal him or take him home? And, and we lay in bed and, and we're talking about how, you know, what it would be like 50 years down the road to miss him. Would our memories fade? Different things like that. Finally, Barb drifted off to, um, sleep. Uh, I'm not sure how restful it was, but drifted off to sleep. And I lay in bed there and I was, was thinking on these things. And I was saying, Father, you know, uh, just, just take him home. I've been to heaven. Barb's been to heaven. I know what it's like. Uh, you know, we'll comfort ourselves with that. Um, and I was, I was <laughs> saying all that to the Father and suddenly Jesus is standing in just suddenly, boom, Jesus is standing there. He's, I, I'm, I'm flat on my back in bed, you know, propped up, you know, head propped up with pillow. And, and cause Barbara and I had been talking and my eyes are wide open. I can see our room. It's, it's after 11 or 1 a.m. or whatever after 11 o'clock. Uh, it was very late. And, uh, you know, the little bit of light coming in the windows and everything, but the Lord is standing there. My eyes are wide open to his realm as well as our realm. Just about five or six feet, a couple of meters off the corner of my bed on, on the side where I was. And without any greeting or anything else, now, yes, I've been seeing the Lord since April 1986, but this was uh, still normally there's there's some sort of a greeting or, you know, I want to teach you about or, or something like that. But this time it was just, he was just standing there. And he looked at me and he said, would you have Christmas out on the fullness of his reward just because you feel bad about having to put him in a group home? I was taken aback. I was shocked. I had never considered that. I mentally, you know, when I, I'd go tell people about Jesus, I said, Chris, dad's got to go for a few days. I've got to tell people about Jesus. Is it going to be okay? You and mom stay home by yourselves. And he'll say, it's okay, dad, go tell people about Jesus. And so mentally I had this, you know, this awareness, Chris is part of the ministry. Like Barb is part of the ministry. She truly is, we are one. She enables me to go forth and, and go out and but I never thought of Chris, you know, that way until that moment. Would you have Christmas out on the fullness of his reward just because you feel bad about having to put him in a group home? And I apologize. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't, I never considered that. And of course, no, no, I don't want Chris to miss out on the fullness of his reward. I said, however, with a couple conditions, with these conditions, one, that he never be abused and also that he never be neglected. And with a single shake of his head, the Lord went, done. And when he did that, he was gone. And from that moment on, Chris has been, you know, we put him in the group home. The first four or five years were rough. We ended up having to move to be closer to him within about a half an hour now outside of the Tulsa area. We're now a couple hours outside of Tulsa and with closer to Chris. He's been there now. So, you know, all these years, 17, 18 years now in that group home, he's fully adjusted. Uh, I see him on a weekly basis. But the point is that nonetheless, he, he has reward. And so I want you to think about people who uh, maybe you're not physically uh, uh, able or even uh, mentally or whatever. There is a reward there. Chris loves the Lord, and to the fullest extent he can, he loves the Lord. I'm convinced he's got more rewards than most people uh, because of, of the great attitude and everything that he takes things in, the long term view of life that he has that he's content when he gets to heaven he's gonna run like other kids and and everything else and he's talk about when I grow up I'm going to be a pilot and uh different things like that nature you know of that nature and 
you know, I don't know when the end of his days are going to be or my days or anybody else, but I know that I have a deposit with the Lord. I have entrusted. It's 2 Timothy 1, 12 and 13 again. Just what Paul said. I am persuaded that the Lord, I, I, first off, I know in whom I have trusted and I am, because I know him, I am fully persuaded that what I've deposited with him, he's faithful and just and able to keep until that day. And, and I just am sharing that for you uh, who, who maybe have similar situations. It could be with unexplained jobs, uh, job loss. It could be, you know, tragedies that happen, a turn of events. You think you may wake up and say, man, I did not think life would turn out this way. I didn't plan it this way. Uh, it, it may be mystery things that happen, you know, accidents, tragedies, uh, deaths, uh, whatever the case is. But there's always a deposit that we have to trust the Lord, that we are fully persuaded. There is a reward. There is the other side of things. And and so uh, what I'm addressing right now is, number one, know him. And number two, then that allows you to become fully persuaded that the deposit you have made with him, he, you know that he is faithful to keep that against that day. So I just shared this story. I want, uh, it was especially true, came in this last, in the United States, we had a four-day holiday, the 4th of July holiday, which is a uh, celebrate our independence. And uh, and Chris was here with everyone. And we had, uh, you know, three families here with eight kids and, and Chris, and they were playing in the water and, and different stuff like that and running around. And, and there's Chris in his wheelchair. And uh, my heart just went out to him. And we, we had another guest who, who wasn't able to, and my heart just went out to, to people just all over who, who have reward in heaven that, you know, they are loved and appreciated by the Lord, but it's not seen yet on the earth. But those that love them and care for them have made a deposit with the Lord. And so I just encourage you this day to number one, know him and then allow him to persuade you. Well, Paul said, I am fully persuaded that what I've deposited with him, he's able to keep against that day. So encourage that for you. Uh, you know, we're all about real life and uh, that's as real as it gets. Um, you know, that heaven is real and, uh, and there is the other side. Uh, but there are questions that we just don't know, and it just has to be a deposit and trust. So know him, allow him to persuade you, and once you are fully persuaded, know that he is faithful to be able to keep that which you have deposited with him. All right, God bless. John Finn, C-W-O-W-I dot O-R-G. Hope this has been a blessing to you.